by Passion Church, the DeSoto County campus, the fun church in Horn Lake, Mississippi. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church. Well, today's message I'm entitling Getting Past Your Past. Getting Past Your Past. If you're filling out your bulletins, you know, on one side it tells the announcements, so you might want to read that. And then on the other side, it's got some fill in the blanks. And so if that helps you stay awake during the service, you write in the answer. That's, I think that's the second question on the thing there. You already missed the first one. Thank goodness spreading the gospel is a team sport. Psalms 25.7, the psalmist says to God, Do not remember the sins of my youth and my rebellious ways. Woo, can anybody identify with that? God, please don't remember the sins of my youth and my rebellious ways. According to your love, remember me. Lord, you are good. And see, God is love, right? And what does love do? It covers a multitude of sins. And that's all the psalmist is doing is he's calling on what God already is, a forgiving and a loving God who covers our past. Praise the Lord. Isaiah 43, 18, Isaiah says, forget the former things, do not dwell on the past. See, the past is hard for a lot of people to let go. I don't know why. Some of us look back at and call it the good old days, and we won't let go. And we're judging everything according to that. But some of us look back with shame and regret, and it's drag we're dragging all that shame and regret around with us, and, and it's just like a monkey on our back or something. And some people stay sidelined and won't get in the game because of their past. And that's not God's plan. God's love covers our past. Part of this series, we talked about the story of Joseph, you might remember. What a roller coaster ride that was for 13 years. Joseph was a young man, and all of a sudden, he's, his own brothers throw him in a pit to leave him for dead. And, then they decide to sell him into slavery. Then he's falsely accused of rape, and he's in jail. And he goes through these, this horrible period in his life. But then all of a sudden, he's popped out of jail, and he's second in charge of all Egypt. Only God could do that. But when his brothers, who had thrown him in the pit, come back, and they have to get uh, food from Joseph, and they realize who he is. They think, oh, no, we done messed up. They're looking for a escape route. But in Genesis 50, 20, Joseph said, you intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. See, the devil has intended to harm you all this time. This world is just seeking to get what it can out of you and leave you lifeless. But God is for you, and he's turning all things together for your good. He's trying to work it out so that you can be like Joseph and say, you intended to harm me, devil, but God intended it all for good. 
He goes on to say, you brought me to this position so that I could save the lives of many people. And that's what God would say to you today. All your past, God has, will turn it around to bring you to this position, to this purple chair today, so that you can save the lives of many people. Some of you don't believe me. You say, yeah, pastor, but that's not my story. Joseph, you know, he was on track. He was trying to do right. Joseph had focus. The whole time Joseph was trying to serve the Lord, maybe that's why God helped him. But I wasted most of my life. You don't understand, pastor. I was in bad sin. I did some stupid stuff. I, I ran from my calling most of my youth. And that's what I hear you saying, that you ran from your calling. Oh, you mean like Moses? What you talking about, Willis? Because <laughs> most of us, we, we think of, when we think of Moses, what do we think? Great, awesome man of God, right? We think Moses, he's the bomb.com. Did you know when Moses was a little baby, he was a basket case? <laughs> <laughs> Some of you will get that in a minute. You got to listen quicker. <laughs> she says, say it again. When Moses was a little baby, he was a basket case. <laughs> Some of you get it on the second time around. You see, they were killing all the babies in Moses' time, and his mama had to put him in a little basket and floated him out on the river. It was his only shot at life. But just so happens, God was still in control. God sent Pharaoh's own daughter. Now, Pharaoh's the king of all Egypt, you understand. Pharaoh's daughter happens to be out, happens to be out on the river that day and sees the basket and gets one of her servants to bring it over, sees the baby, sees it's a beautiful child, and decides to raise it as her own. And so Moses, who was supposed to be killed, ends up living in the palace. For 40 years, he's raised in Egyptian ways. An Egyptian home, learning Egyptian customs. Now, it, if you read a lot of the prophets and stuff in the Old Testament, God often uses Egypt as a type shadow of the world. He kind of references Egypt as, as a picture of the way the world does things, not the way God does things. You know the world's different from God's ways, right? And so when he, when he references Egypt, he's often referencing the world's way of doing things. So you could say that Moses, for 40 years of his life, just, did, just lived in the world. So some of you in here are not yet 40 years old. And you could say, honestly, that I'm already doing better than Moses. Wouldn't it be true? Because for 40 years, Moses didn't think about anything about to do with God. He was just living in Egypt. Then what happened after that? He began to think about his calling. He began to think, you know, I'm really a Hebrew. I'm not even Egyptian. I'm not supposed to be like the world. And so the first thing Moses does, he goes out and he sees a Hebrew slave being beat by an Egyptian master, and he gets angry, and he kills the Egyptian. Way to go, Moses. The first thing you did for God was become a murderer. 
How many still got Moses beat? Huh? I mean, when I was a baby Christian, I know I ran a lot of people off with my zeal, but I don't remember killing anybody. <laughs> so Moses knows he's going to get in trouble for this murder, and he flees to the desert. He finds himself a wife in a little town called Midian, and he's hiding for the next 40 years. He becomes a shepherd out in the wilderness, hiding from his calling. Now, how many 80-year-olds do we have in the house that still hadn't stepped into the first phase of your calling yet? I think we all were doing better than Moses at this time. Does that sound like bad logic to you? Or am I telling you the truth? This Moses, this great man of God that we all revere in the Bible, spent 80 years of his life in the world, in the wilderness, running from his calling as a murderer. That ain't the Moses I remember, but he was resigned to live out his years in obscurity in that wilderness. This is the way it is. I guess this is my life. And maybe you're sitting here thinking, this is, this is my life, you know. I've got my little job. I'm looking forward to my pension. I'm, you know, looking when I retire, I'm hoping to do this. And, and we've got our little worldly design of how we see our lives. But Moses, one day, out of nowhere, sees something burning. It catches his eye. And he looks, and it's a bush burning, but it's not being consumed. And Moses says, let me go see this holy fire. Let's check this out. You see, and maybe many of you, maybe you saw a Christian on fire for Jesus. You saw a holy fire in somebody else and you said, man, let me go check this out because I don't understand why they're loving on folks and they're not getting anything for it. I don't see why they're coming down to the jail and ministering when they're not even getting paid for it. I don't understand why they're always reaching out to somebody else when they could be worried about their own stuff. Maybe somebody else's holy fire has brought you here today. I don't know. Maybe he's... Maybe just your own heart began to yearn for something more. Man, I've been at this for 80 years. Or however long you've been around, and you're just thinking, this is it? This is life? Living by the TV guide, so to speak? What's coming on tonight? This is Thursday. We're going to eat macaroni and cheese and fish sticks again. I don't know. I'm just making stuff up. But life, maybe hadn't turned out the way you thought it should. And so you're thinking, there's got to be more. I don't know your reason for being in that purple chair today. But maybe there's a, a fire being kindled inside of you. And I'm here to tell you, I don't care where you're at. There is something more. There is something much more than you haven't experienced up to this point in your life. God calls Moses out of this burning bush. He says, Moses, Moses. 
And I'm hoping he's calling your name today. I hope he's saying, Richard, Richard, Donna, Donna, Erica. I hope God is calling your name. In fact, I know he is because I've been praying he would all week long. I pray that he will speak to you today. And that you would take off your shoes today because you're standing on holy ground. Your Midian shoes, they will do no good here. Your worldly shoes will not get you to your destiny, and God, it's time to take them off and put on some new shoes. God wants to give you a purpose that will rock the very heavens which you live under. He wants to deliver his people. He wants you to help him build an eternal family. I know you've been building your, your earthly family, but he wants to build an eternal family. He wants your earthly family in heaven with you one day. He wants your neighbors in heaven with you one day. He wants to do something bigger than you can do building your natural little kingdom. Jesus would come later and he'd put it like this. I want you to be fishers of men. I want you to be shepherds of my people. I want you to stand in the gap for those who can't stand in the gap for themselves. I want you to ride with heaven's armies, conquering darkness, dispelling despair, bringing hope into this dark world. Jesus would tell you, I want you to be a worker of miracles, a voice of one crying in the wilderness. I want you to make Luke chapter 4 verses 18 and 19 your own, where it says the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. To preach deliverance to the captives. Recovery of sight to the blind. We're living in a world where people can't see. Sin has blinded their eyes. And the only thing that's going to remove those scales is the love of Christ through his servants. You. To set at liberty them that are bruised. There isn't hardly a little child out there in this world today that hadn't been bruised and abused in some kind of way in this crooked and perverse generation in which we're living. And if we're not going to stand up for the little children, if we're not going to stand up for our neighbors, I want to ask you, who is? We're all waiting on somebody else. This scripture ain't for me because, you, because of my past. Verse 19 says to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. This is the year of Jubilee. Next year, be the year of Jubilee again. Because Christ is already risen. He's already alive. He's sitting at the right hand of God where he ever lives to make intercession for those of us who will put on some walking shoes and get in there and win this harvest for Jesus Christ. Because the fields are white to harvest. And they're bruised. And they're bloody. And they're battered. And they're needing somebody. And you're thinking, well, that's me. I'm bruised, bloodied, and battered. And you're going to stay that way until you let the Spirit of God rise up in you and you begin to help someone else. You'll always be the victim until you come out of that victim mentality. You are the blessed of the Lord. 
You are servants of the Most High God. You are children of the King. You are redeemed. You are called with a holy calling. You got to see yourself the way Jesus has made you. Stop seeing the life in the rearview mirror. You look out that new window. But, 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 Pastor, but, 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 I can hear all your butts from here. We just got started and you already got your butt in the way. Turn to Exodus 3. Exodus 3.11. But, say but. But Moses protested to God. I have found it's better not to argue against God personally. But Moses, this great man of God, I don't know what that means. He protested to God. He said, who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? And God answered, I will be with you. And this is your sign that I am the one who has sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God at this very mountain. But, say but, Moses protested. If I go to the people of Israel and tell them, the God of your ancestors has sent me to you, they will ask me, what is his name? What should I tell them? God replied to Moses, I am who I am. Say to the people of Israel, I am has sent you. And if you go on down to chapter 4, verse 1, later in the conversation, verse 1, but, but Moses protested again. What if they won't believe me or listen to me? What if they say the Lord has never appeared to you? He's starting to sound like he's whining now. It's starting to sound like he's just really making excuses. Starting to sound a lot like us. God, I would, but, you know, they won't believe I'm a real Christian. They know my past. I would say this, God, but who am I to say something? Maybe somebody more qualified. Maybe we'll, I'll call pastor and get him to talk to him on the phone. Then the Lord asked him, what's that in your hand? A shepherd's staff, Moses replied. Throw it on the ground, the Lord told him. So Moses threw down the staff and it turned into a snake. Moses jumped back. Then the Lord told him, reach out and grab it by his tail. Now I'm going to tell you right now, that must have took a little faith because I ain't grabbing no snake by the tail. But I guess if God is right there telling me to, I probably would. God is just saying, whatever you have in your hand, use that. Just have enough, have enough 
faith to reach down and use that. Then the Lord said, reach out and grab it by his tail. So Moses reached out and grabbed it, and it turned back into a shepherd's staff in his hand. A shepherd's staff. God has given you a heart of a shepherd. Later on in the conversation in verse 10, but, are you getting tired of all this but yet? But Moses pleaded with the Lord, Lord, I'm not very good with words. And all of a sudden he gets a lisp. I ain't never been in the now. now I, even though you've you spoken to me, I, I, I get tongue-tied and my words get tangled. Then the Lord asked Moses, who makes a person's mouth? Who decides whether they speak or do not speak, hear or do not hear, see or do not see? Is it not I, the Lord? Now, go! Enough with the excuses. Go! I will be with you as you speak, and I will instruct you in what to say. That sounds like what my Bible says. The Holy Spirit shall give us the words to speak in that self-same hour. You don't even have to think about what you're going to say. But Moses again pleaded, Lord, please send anyone else. When your excuses run dry, you just begin to plead, God, just don't make me do it. Just don't make me tell him. That devil's done a fine job of putting up a smoke screen in your life. He's done a fine job of making you think that they're going to laugh at you or that you won't have what it takes. He's done a fine job of making you think. He's intimidated you, the devil. He's got half the church cowered down, hiding behind rocks, saying somebody else go get him. He looks nine foot tall. Don't send me. Send some, anybody else. God, I'm just not ready. And maybe in your own eyes, you don't feel ready. But in verse 14, it says, Then the Lord became angry with Moses. Is that where you want to leave it with God? Is that... Where you want things between you and God, the Lord angry with your butt? God answered Moses. God had been working in Moses this whole time. Moses, you thought your checkered past was wasted. Those 80 years until now, you thought it was wasted, but you didn't know. I've been preparing you for this all along. I can send you to Pharaoh's house now because you live there, buddy. I can trust you to go back and speak to those Egyptians because you know the language. You know their customs. I can trust you to lead my people out of Egypt and into the wilderness on the way to the promised land because you spent 40 years in the wilderness. And all this that we thought the devil meant for harm, I have turned it for good if you will just trust me, Moses. And no matter what else you need, I will be with you. And that's all you need to know. 
all your excuses come to naught in the fact that God said, I will never leave you or forsake you. You and God are always a majority. God always wins. And if God be for you, who can be against you? Mostly yourself. Look at your neighbor and say, get your butt out of the way. I got to say little things to get, keep you all awake. <clears throat> Excuse me, I didn't mean to be offend anybody. But then Moses, he stepped out. He tested the waters, just a little bit of simple obedience. Went and did the first thing God told him to do. Worked out all right. Smoke's dissipating. Did the second thing. Smoke's clearing. He's starting to see on the other side of this. The devil's been lying to me all this time. It's the devil bringing up my past all the time. There's therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. Why have I been listening to that enemy? Why have I been believing that I can't do it? When the Bible clearly says I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. What, what voices have I been listening to? Moses began to watch through simple obedience as God did miracle after miracle at his command. The ten plagues, he parted the Red Sea. Moses brought millions of people out of captivity to Egypt. He was able to Watches the Lord fed the multitudes in the wilderness with manna from heaven. He was able to strike a rock and water burst forth for them to, to, to fill their dry and parched throats. Moses got to come down from the mountain and lay down the law. God's law. He got to do it twice because the first time he threw it down. <laughs> one of the things that I see remarkable about this story is the people had sinned so greatly against God they had that slave mentality and isn't that what we're talking about today we can't see ourselves beyond the slaves that we used to be over in Egypt they had that slave mentality well it's too hard out here I just want to go back and they wanted to go back at least it was, we had this to eat in Egypt and all this they're always thinking about the past. God was ready to wipe them out. He said, I see it, Moses. They're stubborn. They're stiff-necked. They're rebellious. They won't do anything I ask them to do. They're sinful. There's no hope for them. I'm fixing to wipe them out, Moses, and I'm going to start again with you. At least you will obey my voice. You will at least do my simple commands. And Moses, a man, pleaded with God on behalf of the people and changed the mind of God. Moses was a friend of God. Moses saw God face to face. 
he became the most humble man in all the earth because he knew it wasn't him. And he had sway with God to cause God to change his mind. Did you even know it was possible? Some of you don't pray thinking that God doesn't listen. Moses changed God's mind. That was awesome. And you know what? When Jesus came later and he felt like he needed a little powwow on the Mount of Transfiguration, who did he call? Moses and Elijah. You can be a friend of God. God calls you to that same level of intimacy. God calls you to that same level of potential. Simple obedience to his voice, one command at a time. Putting your past behind, your failures behind, your successes behind, everything you thought you could do, and simply obeying God day after day after day will bring you into the promised land. God has always given beauty for ashes. He's always making all things new. He's using ordinary people in extraordinary ways like he did Brenda. Don't say but. But, but. Don't say it. It makes God angry. Knowing what his son died and paid for. That you may live a victorious life. Made us more than overcomers in Christ Jesus. Thanks be unto God which gives us the victory in our Lord Jesus Christ. And you're saying, but? What more do we need to get started? Simple childlike faith. Simple obedience. What would you have me to do, God? I think that's on your sheet there. Pastor's challenge or whatever. Ask God, what would you have me do? With a heart that's willing to do it when you ask. Step out. Live a little. What if you fail? What if you begin to sink? Ask Peter. Jesus was right there. You got nothing to lose by serving the Lord. You got everything to lose by saying, but. Why am I yelling at y'all so bad today? <laughs> 2 Corinthians 12, 9 says, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. Hallelujah. Thanks, Lord, for that. I feel a lot better now. You don't have to be somebody. You just need to be a body. God's light shines best through cracked vessels. If you think you got it all together, then it's going to be you doing it, and you're going to get your results. But when you've been through it, and you found yourself in pieces all around and you said, how am I going to pull all this together? And when you put your, your life in the hands of the potter and he begins to put you back together on the wheel, he puts his light inside of you and through those cracks that you thought were so ugly, you begin to shine for Jesus. You begin to help other people put their lives back together. 
2 Corinthians 4, 7 says we have this light from God in our human bodies. These human bodies ain't what they're going to be when we get resurrected, but they they all we got right now. But God puts his light in these human bodies. This shows that the power is from God and is not of yourselves. Takes the pressure off. Man, I don't have to come up here and be something. I'm just living to please one man, my Lord Jesus Christ. I don't have to do it. It's no longer I that live, it's Christ in me. That's the hope of glory. We have made this about us, and it's not about us. It's all for him, through him, that we live and move and have our being. He created it all. But he chose you. You're just a vessel. Be a vessel unto honor. God says, I just need a live body. Are you breathing? You qualify. You can dwell on the past. You can shackle yourself to it. But for God, the past is in the past. He's already got past your past. And he's waiting on you too. Somebody shout, Amen. Amen. These are a couple of Cliches you've probably heard, but I thought I'd read them anyway because they apply. God doesn't call the equip, he equips the called. If you think you're already equipped for everything, then you need to, be more, you need to get over in the humility line a little longer. And he'll put you there, believe me. It's never been about our ability, it's about our availability and those are true just make yourself here I am Lord who is that Isaiah said that here I am Lord send me what would you have me to do David said is there not a cause everybody else is cowering behind the, the rocks I'll go just a little shepherd boy with a rock Philippians 3.13 says this one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. God's calling you heavenward. He's calling you forward. He's calling you this direction. So take off your worldly shoes. The place you're standing right now is holy ground. You are called for such a time as this. You are in that purple chair right now, right here today for a reason. And this is where your true identity begins. In the church that Jesus Christ is building. Not just the Passion Church, but in the church as a whole. Jesus Christ says, I will build my church. That's where my work is getting done. That's where I am birthing my ideas. That is where I am sending forth laborers from. This is holy ground that you're standing on now. Don't come in here with your natural shoes on, so to speak. Have your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Be ready to tell it. How beautiful are the feet of those who spread the good news. 
and how rare they are in this society in which we live. The, the church is not just an extracurricular activity in my life. It's not just something I do on Sunday so I make myself feel better. It is where you literally find yourself. It's where you stop being the old Moses and become the new Moses. It's where you put the past in the past, the butts behind you for a reason. Get your butt out of the way. Don't delay. Start today. So I could sell a used car with that line. <laughs> we each come and learn. Keep coming. Keep learning. But you're never going to, there's never a point that you get to where you're qualified to go. The going starts now. The going is as, as you're learning. You go with what you got now. You don't wait. Somebody said, I don't have anything now. I just walked in here by accident today. You've got 30, 45 minutes worth of a sermon in your pocket already. You've got some hope that God forgives you and loves you, and you can go tell somebody. You know what baptism is. You've come and you've learned some things today. God is investing in you right here, right now. God's calling you to help build a family for all of eternity. Start in your home. Teach your children the ways of God. Teach them to trust in Him so when, you, when they, their teenage years kick in and they don't want nothing to do with you, at least they know where they can turn. Yes, you are called to be a full-time minister. I know you can't see it, but it's true. Pray you're having a burning bush moment right now. I pray God's calling your name. Thanks for listening to the podcast today. We hope you enjoyed it and that it inspires you to live out God's Word. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church.